Ladies and gentlemen, that is the new Batflip Crazy podcast intro song. Uh, that, folks, is super exciting. Um, have The podcast has its own intro song, thanks to uh, Kaylin Prescott, uh, at Kaylin Prescott at, on Twitter. Uh, reached out to me, a fan of the podcast and the Twitter account. He's a music producer um, and put that together for me. Uh, really, really appreciative uh, of that. This is the Batflip Crazy Podcast. I am your host, uh, Toby G, as it says uh, in the podcast intro. That's so, just, just so cool. Um, and a little bit, uh, the coolest thing about it is that, um, you know, my kids were super excited when they heard it. Both the beat, like I had, I had told Kaylin, I was like, I've always wanted to have Deltron 3030. Uh, the intro to that, if anybody's familiar with that old hip hop song, um, as the intro to my podcast. And so he put together something, um, you know, that isn't, isn't it obviously, but, um, with just a a great beat and my kids were super into it and they heard, uh, that I had my own podcast, uh, podcast introduction and they were just like loving it today. They were asking me to play it like over and over and over again. And so I actually recorded just a little bit of a piece where I just thought it would be, uh, be fun to ask them what they think of the song and, and kind of record it and put it on the podcast. So uh, that's going to be on here. So a huge, huge, huge shout out uh, to uh, Kaylin for putting together the song for me. Really, really dig it. Um, hope you do uh, too. Um, got an interesting podcast uh, for you this week. Uh, did a mailbag, a more extensive mailbag, where I didn't have as much time as I usually do to do, um, you know, the background research on players and things like that. You know, I have a lot of this uh, stuff stuck in my head, un- unfortunately or fortunately, depending on who you're uh, talking to. Um, but you know, I did more of kind of like a rapid fire, both strategy and player. Uh, discussion based on some mailbag questions I got. So hope you dig that. Let me know what you think about that um, uh, on Twitter. Um, if you uh, haven't already, too, please do go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating um, and review. Those reviews, as I mentioned before, really make my week. Got a couple of them this week. Um, awesome to read it. Just just love the feedback, and it's super helpful um, just to, to get that and, and know that people are appreciative of the podcast and it helps provide some motivation to keep on putting it out there even when it's uh, late at night or I may not have as much time as I usually do. So please do give a five-star rating and review to the podcast if you haven't already. If you have done so, thank you so, so very much. Please do just go um, you know like it, retweet it, share it with folks, help get the word out. It uh, re- really is super helpful. So thank you so much. Um, all right, let's get straight to the podcast. A huge shout out again to Kalen Prescott for putting that intro song together for me. I am so excited uh, to have it as part of the podcast uh, moving forward. It is an awesome beat. It is awesome in every way. Super appreciative of that. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Let's hop into the mailbag. Let's get this party started. mentioned this uh, in the intro but here is just a brief little snippet of my kids reaction to the new intro song and how much they love it Uh, just for reference one of them is two and one of them is five so uh, they're little guys and uh, they thoroughly enjoyed uh, getting down to the new beat all right what do you guys think about uh, dada's new song Yeah, what's your favorite part of it? Um, 
Sega Dobiji. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. Dobiji! Okay, welcome! Can I say it? All right, as I mentioned in the intro, today's podcast is going to be a little different than usual. Usually I've had a chance to do um, a good amount of research ahead of time on some of the guys I'm going to cover. I'm going to fly a little bit off the the cuff for me, uh, step into the uh, zone of of uncertainty and uh, somewhat researched uh, responses to a bunch of kind of mailbag questions or questions I got on Twitter when I asked about topics I should cover in the upcoming podcast. This week is a, just a little bit uh, crazy for me, and so I'm not going to be able to do uh, the research that I normally do, but hopefully some of the answers that I provide to some of these questions will will be helpful. So definitely hit me up. Um, afterwards and let me know whether whether it was or not. So first question is some over and underachievers or speculative steel trade targets. Uh, not a selfish request at all. This comes from at BB Fantasy Factory. Um, so, and then there's another question that was kind of similar, which was standout buy low or returning IL candidates. That's from at one Toby Flenderson. And anytime I ever get a tweet from somebody named Toby, I'm always going to include that in the mailbox, the mailbag. Uh, no questions at all. So generally speaking, um, I'll cover some guys that I like as kind of buy low targets and some guys that I like as sell high targets. Again, as I always uh, mention when I talk about these uh, concepts of buy low and sell high is that it's not it's not that easy, right? People are smart, generally speaking, in your leagues, and you know they're probably thinking the same thing, like, oh, why are you trying to sell uh, a guy to me who's you know been doing really really well, surprisingly recently, or you know why are you um, uh, you know trying to buy a guy who's been struggling a little bit? Everybody kind of comes to those situations with some hesitancy or skepticism would be a better word. So just just think about that. So in terms of my process, a lot of times what I will do, you, you folks who listen to the podcast know, you know, I dive pretty deep into the skills just in terms of like the plate skills, plate discipline, contact trends, uh, hard contact trends, whether folks are hitting the ball in the air or not, some stat cast data. Um, but what I would use mostly when I'm looking for guys who are kind of buy low or sell high ca- uh, candidates would be taking a look at the difference between their expected metrics. So uh, what's the difference between their existing WOBA and their ex-WOBA or slug and ex-slug, uh, things of that nature, just to see if there are guys who are particularly high underperformers or overperformers on those metrics. And I might use that as an example. Another one for pitchers would be you know taking a look at guys who have big differentials between their ERA and maybe their XFIP or their Sierra. Those are the two metrics that I like to use the most. But don't just take that as, you know, kind of gospel uh, just because like there's always John Gray's or Nick Pavetta's of the world who give up or Chris Archer's who give up really high quality of contact. And so 
underperform or some guys even uh, over or underperform or overperform, sorry, their expected metrics as a result of, you know, limiting the quality of contact because all of those expected ERA estimators are based on some sort of normalization to either league average as with XFIP, it, it normalizes it to um, league average for home run to fly ball rate. Um, you know, things of that nature. So just factor in all of those considerations, but look for those guys who have big gaps in their expected metrics. I've been able to use that over the last few years to identify trade targets for myself. Now, some of the guys that I'm going to cover right here is kind of underperformers or underperformers. Uh, part of that is based on expected metrics. Part of that is, uh, is other aspects, but, um, uh, two underperformers, one pitcher, one hitter that I would highlight. Zach Wheeler is a guy who has started off, you know, pretty rough this year, you know, from an ERA perspective. Uh, I think his ERA is in the low fours. Uh, all of his ERA estimators are in the low threes. Um, if you look at uh, Wheeler, he really struggled early on in the season at getting folks to chase at pitches outside the zone. It elevated his walk rate. He was having a, having trouble uh, striking guys out as well. But recently, he's just really, really um, uh, looked much better. The strikeout metrics are up. The swinging strike rate is over 12% over his last five games. Uh, his CSW is over 30%, which is really good because he's not necessarily like a huge strikeout guy. And so I really like what I'm seeing from seeing from Zach Wheeler. And he had a he had a pretty rough start, I think, in his last start. And so that he might, this might be an opportunity to buy. So he'd be a guy that I would be looking to target uh, right now. Wheeler, I think the strikeout metrics are looking better, actually, uh, than they did last year. The control metrics are looking better as well. The fastball velocity is there. There's no, no reason outside of the reduced drag on the ball this year, um, you know, the juiced quote unquote juiced ball. It's really just reduced drag on the ball. Um, you know, other than that, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about Wheeler. Uh, Justin Smoke is a guy I've been touting on Twitter as a guy who's a buy low. I still think he's a huge um, buy low um, candidate. Um, he's remains among the leaders in differential between uh, WOBA and expected WOBA. Um, and actually, here's um, uh, one thing. So uh, let's see, uh, Smoke should be uh, over here. Um, I, I'm looking for him right now. I'm trying to multitask right now, which is not necessarily something that I'm good at. So a 365 Woba, which is very good, but a 427 expected Woba, which is super elite. And here's an example of where you can use the expected metrics and the skills. So when you look at the expected metrics, you're like, oh, damn, Justin Smoke should be doing a lot better. When you dive into the skills too, they are absolutely on fire. And I said this last week before he went off the hook last week, but you know, the... Uh, the play discipline was elite. The in zone contact rate was elite. The hard hit rate was elite. The, you know, hitting the ball in the air was elite. Everything was pointing towards him having elite production except for what we saw in the outcomes. And I think that's, those are opportunities that you can take um, to kind of take a step forward. Um, so, you know, those are two guys that I really like one hitter, one pitcher. On the other side of the equation, guys that I think are overperforming, uh, Brandon Lau is a guy who, you know, he can make really, really strong um, contact, um, and I think that's terrific, but I have major concerns about his um, contact rate. Um, he has just um, had, you know, um, he's had major contact issues throughout his major league career. His WOBA sits at 367 right now. His expected WOBA is at 326. 
Expected batting average is 230. It's currently at 276. Um, so he's a guy that I just think um, has been overperforming based on everything um, that I have seen. And I think for that reason, you know, you look at his K rate, a 36.3% K rate right now, a 389 BABIP is what he's relying on. Um, so that's unlikely to continue. O swing is not great at 35%. Contact rate down at 62%. It's just not good. And then when you look at his rest of season projection, you know, you're looking at a 244 um, batting average according to the bat. Now, the power still might be there and and, uh, um, counting stats accordingly, but, you know, there's just a lot of options that the Rays have to go to. And so if he struggles, who knows if he is somebody who will um, maintain uh, their regular position in the lineup. Uh, Two guys who just based on expected metrics, are doing much better than they should be doing are Yanni Chirinos um, and uh, Felix Pena. Uh, Felix Pena is one of the uh, leaders in terms of uh, overperforming. Uh, 273 WOBA so far, uh, a 337 expected WOBA, 198 batting average with a 260 expected batting average. Last year, Pena was right in line with his expected Woba and Woba. Um, Obviously, he's got some nice skills. He's got a really nice slider. Um, But, you know, I think I I would expect some significant regression to happen there. Yanni Chirinos is actually a guy who last year also outperformed his expected metrics. So I don't necessarily expect full regression um, to what it is. He's got a 326 expected Woba and a 264 Woba uh, for Chirinos. Um, you know, he's not striking out a ton of guys. He did well in his last start, but generally speaking, uh, the strikeout skills have not been, um, off the charts by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and so he's giving up a lot of contact. He's relying on better quality of contact last year. I think it was like a 25 point gap, um, between his, um, expected Woba and Woba. So I don't think he's going to be as bad, but a 197 BABIP right now. Um, outpacing the ERA estimators by a wide, wide um, margin, about a run and a half. And so, you know, for those reasons, I would expect some regression to hit Chirinos. So I don't know how much people will be buying um, what he's done so far, but he's definitely a great, um, you know, great guy for wins. And one thing I'd say is just because, you know, guys maybe should expect some regression, it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. Like Chirinos' expected Woba is 326. Um, whereas, you know, his WOBA is 220. 326 isn't terrible, right? That's right around league average. And with the wins that he generally generates with the Rays, either going after the opener or just, you know, because of the the good quality of team that they have, um, you know, he's a guy who doesn't mean you should drop him, but I do think some regression is coming his way um, soon. And then another guy is Austin Riley. I'll touch on him more a little bit later, but the underlying skills just outside of the batted ball quality, the batted ball quality is excellent, but the overall uh, skills underneath that are pretty putrid when it comes to his contact rate at 54%, which is insanely low. Um, You know, that's like 12 points lower than Bryce Harper right now. Uh, His O swings at 40%. So the skills underlying what he's been able to do um, just uh, are, are concerning if he continues them, right? Folks can change that, what that skill looks like, but just something to note. And with all of these guys, always check out the rest of season projections and kind of take a look at those and what you should expect in the 50th percentile projection, uh, for guys moving forward, uh, stolen base guys, uh, one sneaky guy who's a decent power speed combo 
would be Avisail uh, Garcia with the Tampa Rays. Uh, he has uh, six stolen bases already this year, uh, 10 home runs. Um, he could be available in some shallower leagues. He's playing every day for the Rays. And it really seems like recently they've really been letting his uh, speed shine. He's a pretty fast guy, and you know he's never really shown that previously in his major league career, but the Rays are letting him letting him run free. So there's one guy. Another guy uh, I like and I picked up this week is uh, Luis uh, Renjifo of the Anaheim, uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, excuse me. Um, he stole a ton of bases in the minors, doesn't always translate. He actually hasn't stolen a base yet. Uh, this week he was going against the A's. He also is going um, against the Mariners, I think, uh, towards the end of this week. Uh, and both are, have terrible catcher situations. And so he's a guy, you know, he's an example of somebody where you might want to look at the fantasy forecaster that ESPN puts out and identify fast guys who may not get everyday playing time, but are playing somewhat, um, who, um, you know, who have good stolen base matches up that matches that week and try to target some of those guys. If you're really desperate, uh, for stolen bases, another guy who's coming up, uh, to the Astros is Miles Straw. He could be, he should be available on waiver wires, um, both weekly and daily. And he could be a guy that you could pick up, uh, outside of dynasty leagues who could contribute a good amount of stolen bases, um, getting play all over the diamond uh, with the Astros. So those are a few guys, you know, maybe one in Avisel Garcia, who's a trade target, uh, Renjifo, at least in shower leagues, who might be available, and then Straw, who should be available pretty much everywhere outside of dynasty and deep keeper formats. All right, so that wraps up that first question. Jeez, I'm, I'm, I'm long-winded. That was 12 minutes on that first question. I'm going to have to speed it up. Uh, the next one comes from uh, Smada, our boy Smada, at Smada underscore BB. He says, talk about the Champions League for an hour uh, when I asked about a topic to cover. I won't go quite an hour, although I could, but the Champions League in TGFBI is just tough, folks. I know people on Twitter who follow this type of stuff, which is very few of you, um, are probably like, all right, we've heard enough about that, but oh my goodness. Um, when we take a look at it, okay, so right now I'm 64th overall, but I'm 7th uh, in the TGFBI Champions League. We have, um, well, a few minutes ago, not anymore, but a few minutes ago, we had four players in the top 25. Uh, we have eight in the top 100, and we have seven in the top 70 in the league. So I'm sitting here, you know, 64th overall, but seventh in the league. Um, I could easily fall back. Brant Chesser is one uh, rank behind me, so I could easily fall back to eighth place soon. Uh, just a really competitive league um, has been a lot of fun. Um, this also, though, gives me an opportunity to talk about the other Champions League, which is my other love, uh, which is soccer. I know, don't turn the podcast off right now. Baseball fans and soccer fans don't always um, see eye to eye necessarily, um, but uh, my team, uh, Liverpool, been a big fan of Liverpool for um, a long time. They're actually like one of the few teams that I that I just follow the team. I don't do like fantasy sports at all, and so my love for them is pretty pure. Um, and they play uh, Tottenham on Saturday at noon in the Champions League final. Um, there's been a lot of devastation recently for Liverpool in terms of coming up short. Uh, in getting trophies, which is another term for kind of titles or, uh, you know, victories in tournaments um, in uh, in uh, European football. And so uh, Liverpool, you know, we lost the Europa League final. 
Um, we've lost, uh, we've lost a, uh, oh God, Carlin Cup final, uh, recently, um, in, in, uh, we've obviously lost the Champions League final last week. So I'm super jazzed about that. I'm really excited for that game. So all you Liverpool fans out there, uh, shout out to all of you, um, especially those of you who I've been, I haven't been super open about my Liverpool fandom on on here because I don't want to get spoilers. I oftentimes need to see the Champions League games after they've actually happened or sometimes even, you know, uh, Premier League games uh, after they've happened. And so I try to keep away from the spoilers, but I like to be on Twitter, you know, to be able to respond to questions and just follow what's happening in baseball. And so, um, you know, that doesn't always mesh. So I have kept that bottled up, but I couldn't help uh, but share that uh, that love for Liverpool um, after they beat, came back and beat Barcelona after being down 3-0 in the semifinal. So uh, you'll never walk alone. Go Liverpool. All of you Tottenham fans, you can stop listening now. Okay, the next question is what to do with Aussie Albies. This comes from at uh, Gajuju1. Uh, Albies, you know, I, I, I took a look and Albies is, is kind of doing fine. I mean, you know, he hasn't had a great May. He had a good April. He's been a little unlucky. His expected batting average is 280. Uh, but really, if you t- if you incorporate his rest of season projection from the bat into what he's done so far this year, you're looking at a 270 batting average, 93 runs, 23 home runs, 73 RBI, and 13 stolen bases, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, so, you know, the profile for Albies, like a lot of guys who don't necessarily have a ton of great plate discipline. Um, there's going to be, it's a high variance profile. So you just need to ride the waves, the in and out of those waves uh, and hope that those skills consolidate at some point soon. And that he doesn't kind of suck for the rest of the year, like he did last year. But again, like overall through the season, um, he's been doing fine. You know, uh, right now the skills actually look, uh, okay. Um, so maybe he's going to be, uh, maybe there's some improvement, uh, in the near future for him, but just, just ride it out, ride the waves, ride it out. And at the end of the year, you should still get a decent power speed combo with some nice counting stats and a batting average that won't hurt you. So can't complain about that. Uh, any hope for Archer, uh, Keller blow up an omen, or does he have a shot to be good? This is from at Patrick Vareb. I'm going to skip the Keller part just because I don't have a, a you know, prospects just isn't necessarily my jam and I haven't done a ton of research on Keller. Um, he obviously struggled initially and then looked better after that. But, you know, the numbers in um, uh, from my understanding of it, and I should probably check uh, while I uh, talk about this, um, is that the numbers in AAA weren't necessarily outstanding this year. Okay, so let's take a look. Uh, so only a 9.4% swinging strike rate in that one uh, uh, in that one start. So that doesn't necessarily jump off the page. He did strike out 33% of batters you know, small sample sizes. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. But even when you look at his AAA, 345 ERA, 143 whip, he's had really high BABIPs uh, the last couple of years. Um, and so with the bat with the ball that, you know, that he that's he's using in AAA, like 345 ERA, uh, I don't think it's going to translate that well. When you take a look at the projections for him, they're all mid fours or higher with a whip of essentially one five. Um, so, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't hold out a ton of hope, uh, for Keller, even though he kind of righted the ship after that terrible first inning, um, you know, maybe worth a stash in deeper leagues just to see how it plays out. But, 
I don't think that, uh, I don't think he's going to be super relevant. Uh, Archer, you know, Archer is a guy I haven't been on for a number of years now. He's one of these guys who always looks better on paper than he actually performs. Uh, this year, he's got a 360 expected Woba, uh, or yeah, I think it's 360 expected Woba and a 350 Woba. He's getting lit up. The new ball is probably hurting him. I mean, he already had batted ball quality issues, um, and now you know, you introduce a, uh, a worse, you know, a ball that travels farther and, and it's going to be problematic. His vast ball velocity is down almost two mile per hours. All of the skills are down. Swinging strike rates down almost 2% uh, into the mid 11s. Um, his control metrics are down a little bit. Uh, the his sinker, this is funny. He's only thrown 82 of them, but his sinker has a 424 WRC plus, right? So league, league, uh, batters are hitting, uh, they're four times better than league average uh, against uh, against uh, Archer's sinker. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, the slider is still a good pitch for him, but it's the same old story with Archer. And I think the the the, the worst ball or the, the ball is going to impact him uh, a decent amount. And he's getting lit up. He plays in a tough division. I, I really don't see... Uh, things getting better for Archer at all. I'm, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news there. Uh, next one, I would like a second set of eyes on Enrique Hernandez. My numbers are basically a shrug emoji. This is from at Ryan Wilson 503. Uh, gonna go out on a limb and guess that that 503 is the Portland area code. I think I've got that right. I lived in Seattle for a number of years and Olympia, so uh, I'm familiar with it. Uh, so shout out to Ryan uh, Wilson. Um, everything is trending in the wrong direction right now from a skills perspective on Kike. The contact rate is down. It's down year to year by about 4 or 5%. Uh, but uh, even more so recently, the O swing is also uh, going up. That was kind of a hallmark of his strong season last year in limited playing time. Uh, and early this season was uh, borderline elite patience. And that hasn't necessarily held up. He's still at about league average, but not uh, where he needs to be to be at his most effective. The ground ball rate is also up. Uh, the elevated fly ball rate and you know essentially hitting the ball in the air uh, was a key part of his success as well. So you know there's nothing nothing's necessarily changed in the profile or the potential. You know it's kind of like we know what makes him really effective and and it is what makes a lot of hit, hitters effective. Him being very patient at the plate, hitting the ball in the air and making more contact and that's not what he's been doing. He still over the course of the year has a 318 expected woba, so slightly below league average. Um, but not terrible, you know, uh, so I would say like in some shallower leagues, I think it's okay to let him go at this point, although the versatility that he provides, um, with the, um, uh, position eligibility is really nice. Um, if you have an opportunity to be patient, be patient with him. The Dodgers are obviously, um, a really great lineup to be a part of. He's got that great position eligibility. And so, you know, maybe see if he can right the ship and, and start getting those skills headed in the right direction here soon. Hopefully it happens, but again, you know, not encouraging uh, recent skills um, from him. Next up, fix Joe Musgrove, please, from at Rob underscore Sherwood, um, who is a uh, fine fantasy player in his own right. I believe he's one of the leaders um, in TGFBI this year. He's also a big Liverpool fan. So shout out to you, Rob, uh, for both of those things. You know, I took a deep dive, not necessarily like writing it all down, but you know, I have I own Musgrove in nine leagues, and so I'm very concerned about his recent performance. Obviously, uh, have been really hesitant to put him into lineups. Have had him in a couple, 
uh, times. You know, I had him in some good ones with the two the two starts that he had a couple weeks back, but then also had to have him in the lineup against the Dodgers, which just which was just the worst matchup uh, in like three of my nine lineups. Um, you know, when I took a look, there's a few things going on with Musgrove. Initially, the the decreased velocity hadn't impacted him, um, but it is now. I mean, his his velocity is down. Um, recently only one mile per hour, but two per two mile per hour year over year. He has been around 92.6, um, in his last handful of starts. And so the velocity is ticking back up. So maybe that is the injury, um, you know, that he suffered just kind of getting back, not having a full spring training, uh, to get that velocity up. So hopefully that goes up and I think that should help everything, um, uh, in general. Um, he's, he's, He's one thing that I think is really challenging with him, and I think this actually is like a bigger issue and something where I think actually DFS people will probably have a much uh, better insight into this is just that, you know, with all of the mixing and matching that happens today with platoon splits and, um, and, and lineup changes on a day on the regular, right? Like every day it's a new lineup based on the pitcher and based on matchups. Uh, based on platoon advantages. Um, you know, I think that's something that does hurt Musgrove a lot. When you look at his splits, um, so far this year, a 338 Woba against lefties, um, a 228 uh, Woba against righties. Um, so obviously, you know, massive gap there. Um, so that may be something that you want to take into consideration when thinking about whether to pick, to have him in one given start or, or not um, would be taking a look at uh, those, um, you know, kind of who, which lineup, uh, is coming, how many lefties there are likely to be, um, in that lineup, so on and so forth. Um, you know, and over his career, Musgrove does has a, have a 332 Woba against lefties. And so it's really been the righties where he's made, um, a lot of progress. So that's a little bit concerning just because, you know, it's tough to avoid, um, you know, it's, it's tough to avoid lefties, right? Um, you know, one of the things though that that I thought would be really effective with Musgrove is that he can throw his changeup to lefties. Uh, the changeup is a really, really good pitch. You know, a traditional kind of right-handed pitcher out pitch against lefties. Uh, it has been pretty effective against lefties so far um, this year, but he hasn't been throwing it as much to them uh, of late, which is a little bit of a concern. Um, he's still pitching uh, okay. Uh, 298 expected WOBA overall. He does have a 52.8% strand rate, which is going to see some regression there. Although I think on the batted ball quality perspective, he has gotten a little, um, a little lucky, I think, particularly with home runs. I think he's only given up two home runs so far this year. Uh, so I think generally speaking, what we're hoping for is an increase in that velocity. I think that should play up everything else. Um, I think look at the matchups, you know, is he going against righty or lefty heavy, heavy lineups? Obviously the Dodgers are an example of a team that just goes super heavy lefties against righties. That's not a good matchup. Um, other teams he may, uh, be better against, um, you know, who go heavy righties. So just think about that. Take a look at lineups if you're in daily leagues. Um, but you know, I still think he's a regular play in deeper 15 team formats, uh, just hope that he uh, he starts to get some some better matchups and that that velocity increases because the slider and changeup are still really really effective pitches. Um, he is throwing a cutter a lot more, which seems to be somewhat helpful. But when you look at the cutter um, over his career, it hasn't been an effective pitch for him. So uh, we'll see how all of that continues to play out. Next up, Herman Marquez, both an idea and a question. I'll take your recommendation. That's from at Juice on the Dog, uh, a great format for the question. I enjoy that. Uh, Marquez is awesome. 
I love him. I rated him highly coming in this year. I know there's just a ton of back and forth on Twitter about home versus road splits and all that stuff, but he pitches in cores and he's not as valuable because of that. I think that's true. I think if he did pitch outside of cores, I think you'd be looking at a top 10 uh, starting pitcher pretty easily here. You know, I, I may even have him there like just where he is right now. I think I rated him like 12th or 13th coming into the year. Um, but he's great. Uh, you know, the control, the strikeout metrics, 13.5% swinging strike rate. Uh, recently, the CSW is above 30%, which is always a nice sign. The control metrics are great. His his K percentage is down, but it seems pretty artificial. It's like 23%, so right around league average, but all of the strikeout metrics are well uh, better than league average, so I think there's some positive regression coming his way there. The thing about that Marquez that that I feel and I feel like people may be missing slightly is I think he's the best Rockies pitcher that we have ever seen there is nobody who has put up the type of skills that he has put up um, in the franchise's history like his second half last year is unmatched in franchise history I mean you could probably say that about you know he had like a 17 16 high 16 percent swinging strike rate like over the second half of the season this year it's at 13.5 percent still the only folks who have put up uh you know even brief periods of time with that high of a swinging strike rate are folks like john gray but we know his batted ball quality issues and so i love marquez i think he's going to be great i think he's going to be fine Coors is going to temper that value a little bit but i think he's still going to be solidly in the threes which in in today's game with today's baseball is really great i think he's going to strike out more than a guy in inning i think he's going to have a really great whip uh, because he doesn't walk that many guys um so i love marquez i think he's great um no concerns really about him moving forward may have a blow up here or there at cores but that's going to happen he's going to be awesome on the road Okay, next question. Uh, Dietrich, sell high. I'm wondering what Reds will do around trade deadline with either him or Puig. This is from at running kilted. Um, so Dietrich, um, the you know the sell high question is always a hard one. It really depends. It always depends on what you're going to get, right? And I think this is one thing that like, you know, it's like, should you sell high? Should you not? I mean, theoretically, you should always sell high if you think a guy is outperforming what he should be doing, because the assumption is that like in a, you know, in a perfect market, you'd be able to, you know, or at least I don't know about a perfect market, but like a perfect, a market that adjusts specifically to how a player performs instead of necessarily expectations, you'd expect to be able to do better. But, you know, with, with, with it's always about what you can get, right? If you go to a guy right now and you're like, hey, you want Derek Dietrich? A lot of people are going to be skeptical because they're like, oh, you're trying to sell him because he just hit three home runs and he's never been that good this, that before. So um, that's just one thing to think about. It's always about the value proposition of who you're giving up, who you're getting, and who you anticipate is going to be better for the remainder of this year. And you know, in Roto and even head-to-head leagues, like the thing that you always need to be thinking about, and I think people don't place enough emphasis on this is, how is this addressing my team's strengths or weaknesses? Um, you know, where are you left off with, right? Like when you trade a guy, you know, um, unless you're trading for the exact same position, presumably you need somebody else to fill in that void. Who is the replacement guy who is replacing that, right? Uh, and similarly, like who is who is the new guy that you're getting replacing in your lineup that whose stats you're going to be losing now, you know, so on and so forth, right? Like just be always thinking about those things because, like especially now, like now you have a better sense of your team, how it's doing during the season, 
And what you're trying to do is make your team better. You can lose a trade. Just try to make your team better. That's what you want to do. So anyways, with that that you know rant out of the way. So according to the bat, Dietrich projects to hit 270 with 18 home runs, 26 runs, and 48 RBIs in only 360, 306 plate appearances for the rest of the season, right? So you combine those numbers, you're looking at Dietrich with 35 home runs and like over and 70 to 80 RBI and runs, but that's only over 306 plate appearances. We still have about two thirds of the season, you know, less than that, but about that left. So let's say he gets, you know, 350, 400 plate appearances for the rest of the season. Um, you know, that number is even higher. So that's pretty good, right? He is outpacing his WOBA of 396 at 442. 442 is his WOBA, 396 is expected WOBA, but that's still an awesome player. He plays in a, Blake, uh, a great park. He's getting at bats now. You know, he may be platoons because he's not that great against lefties, but, you know, he's going to he's going to hit. And so, you know, factor all that into it, right? Can you get somebody who has a better projection or a projection that is more useful on your team moving forward or a guy that you think is underperforming, right? Who you think is going to be doing, um, you know, a lot better. Those are the types of questions I think you need to be asking yourself about whether you should sell high or not. In terms of what the Reds are going to do, you know, I think the Reds, if they are competitive, I think they're going to stay in it. They did give up a lot to get Puig. I mean, Dietrich would be a good example of a guy that they might want to sell uh, so that they could get something um, for the future if they're not in the running. But they're six games out of first place right now, I think, which, you know, that's a lot, but... There's a lot of season left to go. They haven't really hit their stride. Their pitching has been really good. It's just a matter of that offense, which seems to be warming up a little bit. You know, they're playing in a bet in a really nice uh, hitting environment. So, um, you know, and I also think that they, realistically, I think that they would not have gone after Puig if they didn't at least somewhat think that it would help them um, in signing him or if they wanted to get him long-term. And so, you know, um, whether Puig will probably reach free agency, but, um, you know, I think fantasy owners, I'm certainly hoping that he stays there because there's not much of a better situation for him there. But, but I don't think unless they're really out of it, that they will look to sell Puig. Um, you know, just, just my own, my own thoughts and biases on Puig. You, everybody who know who's listened to me knows that I love him and, and I am uh, forever biased for that reason. All right. How to trade a few good players for a great player. This is from at Tommy will, Two one one two. Um, I think this is a great strategy to employ in shallower leagues where replacement level is higher. You know, I think you always need to be factoring that in. That's something that I'm thinking about in my twelve team leagues because, like the pit, the, the pitchers I can get on the waiver wire right now. It's like a traditional Yahoo league, so there's only five bench spots. There is a, a few IL spots as well, but only five bench spots. Uh, twelve team league, man. Like I could pick up Chris Bassett. I could have picked up. Pablo Lopez today, you know, for his start against the Giants, like I could just stream really, really good pitchers. And so guys who aren't elite are kind of a dime a dozen for me in a lot of situations. And so I would be looking to trade, you know, guys like that. So I'm thinking about that, you know, in shallower leagues, replacement level is higher. So, you know, you want to be going after that elite level talent. One thing that I'd also say is you want to be going after those scarce resources. So being attacking batting average and stolen bases in those leagues, if those are you know, categories in your leagues. Um, Go after guys who produce really high results there because generally speaking, you can get decent in shallower leagues 
uh, replacement value in terms of you know runs, RBI, and and home runs. So just some thoughts there. Uh, but it's always easier said than done to change those uh, num the, you know the quant the quantity for quality. I guess you would say. Um, so some ideas that I would throw out there just that might help your case. Uh, look for a team that you line up with well. And what I mean by this is, what are your needs, right? Do you need stolen bases? Do you need home runs? Do you need, you know, an elite talent, you know, uh, who's providing a certain category? Uh, what are their needs? Do the good players that you have line up with those needs? So maybe you have some good players who have stolen bases and this guy is shallow in stolen bases and you're looking for more of a well-rounded player or a guy who's going to contribute in batting average Maybe you can throw a couple of those, you know, decent stolen base guys together um, to get a better player because you are addressing their needs. So always be thinking about that when you propose trades. What is the other team's need? Um, how am I meeting that? And as you propose the trade, make sure that you highlight the fact that you are looking at that. Um, everybody's guilty of, of not necessarily doing that because you're looking at trying to go after a certain player. But I think that will help your, your chances, at least showing that you're somewhat interested. Um, another thing I'd say is target a middle of the pack owner, maybe who might still be in it, but really needs to make a move. So they might be more willing to part with, uh, you know, a higher talent guy, you know, to go after somebody who's had a hot start or to take a risk on a player who maybe have a little bit more of a risky profile. So, um, you know, those are some of the things that I would say can help your, um, chances of, um, getting a great player uh, by giving up good players. And another one is like, you know, if, if, a, if a great player is going to make your team better, if you consider who the replacement in the lineup is and you add that uh, to the guy that you're acquiring and that makes your team better, then don't be afraid to lose a trade. Lose a trade. Give a couple of good guys who may be better than the great player that you're getting. But if that improves your team, then you have won the trade, even if maybe you're giving up a little bit more overall production. Um, in what you're giving up. So those are my thoughts on how to trade a few players um, for uh, a great player um, and just you know some of the angles that you may want to take or things that might help your chances there. Uh, next up, the Houston Astros rotation with Chris Martin uh, blowing up. Um, his name's Corbin Martin, not Chris Martin, Corbin Martin uh, blowing up. That's from Ant Candy Graham for Mongo. I swear to God, like I'm going to someday, you know, read a Twitter handle that's totally offensive and um, not even know that I'm doing that. Um, I don't know why this one makes me think of it. But anyways, um, so uh, the Houston rotation with uh, Corbin Martin blowing up. So um, folks who follow me on Twitter know I expressed some concerns with uh, Corbin Martin from the get-go. Uh, the first start was really nice, but if you looked under the hood, the first pitch strike rate was terrible. Um, you know, the zone percentage was bad. Um, it was just a small sample of size luck that he didn't have a horrible outing when it came to walks. Um, actually, if you look at walks, uh, percentage of pitches that are balls, I mean, um, in StatCast, uh, in all of baseball over the last month, Corbin Martin has the highest percentage of balls. Like, f I think 42% of his pitches are balls. Um, so just really, really bad. You know, and if you watch his start, like, you could tell he really didn't know where the ball was going. And that even with all of that said, like he didn't really have swing and miss stuff. And so I, I, I ended up scaling back some bids significantly after watching a couple of his starts. Um, and so far, you know, that has worked out well. Sometimes it doesn't, but so far it's worked out well. So one thing that I'd be really interested in seeing the Astros doing, and I think maybe they will do, and I'd be 
really excited about this proposition would be seeing the Astros employ an opener with Josh James, at least to start. So maybe have one of their really strong bullpen arms. They've got plenty of them throw an inning or two, have James throw three to four uh, to build him up to the point where he can throw five to six innings because recently he's just been like kind of two to four. Um, You know, he hasn't pitched great from an outcomes perspective. This is James, but the skills are just off the charts. I mean, 16.4% swinging strike rate, 46 strikeouts in 30 innings, a 21.7% K minus walk rate. All of this is absolutely excellent. And I think the Astros know that. And so I think they want to get James to a place where he feels comfortable. Um, but you know, I think there's a little bit of a need there and obviously you don't need to push it because they pretty much got the division locked up. But, um, Josh James is, is a very, very good pitcher, I think. And, um, you know, if there's an opportunity to get him in that rotation, maybe that's something that they do. So with all of that said, I definitely target James, uh, in fab in 12 teamers this week. If he's not already gone, I think he's long gone in most 15 team leagues. He is in all of mine. Uh, but Josh James is a guy I think who, if he were pitching after an opener, or even if he was just a starter and he was going like you know five innings, I think he'd have a lot of value just for the purely for the strikeouts. Um, to be honest with you, um, and I think that ERA and the um, WHIP would be okay, and the win should be okay as well. So that's what I'm hoping they do. That's what I think might be the, the most likely scenario with Corbin Martin. But you know the Astros are a smart team; they will uh, they'll figure something out. Uh, Next up, Jesse Winker, is he just a stinker? Question mark, uh, winky face. Uh, That is a a clever question. Uh, That comes from uh, at jasia underscore 92. This is uh, Jonathan uh, Asia, who's a uh, friend of the pod for a very long time. A great uh, interactor on Twitter, somebody that I like to engage with. So Jonathan, thank you very much for your question uh, and for the rhyming. Um, His skills have gone in the wrong direction over the last few weeks. Um, you know, everything that made, uh, made Winker great, um, or even brilliant, I would say, um, has disappeared. So the elite plate discipline, um, has faded recently. Uh, the elite contact has faded recently. Uh, the higher fly ball percentage, i.e. lower ground ball percentage has also faded recently. The ground ball percentage is way up. Um, you know, I saw an interview where somebody was talking to him, um, I think it was about maybe his walk rate going down or something. I can't remember, but he was saying that he was trying to be more aggressive, um, which, you know, it's great to be aggressive inside the zone and swing at the right pitches, but I think is foolish for him. I mean, the, sh- the tools that he was showing, very few players have that in their toolbox. I mean, the around 20% O swing, the 90% plus Z contact with a really nice hard hit rate and a relatively reasonable ground ball rate. There are very few players um, who can do that. And so I really don't think he should have gotten away from that if that's what he has done. And he's already shown that he can produce at a very elite level. Uh, when he do, does that, he did that uh, during a stretch earlier this year. Um, he did that during a long stretch last year, about 150 plate appearances. So hopefully he gets back to doing what made him, what has made him very, very successful because I think he can be really, really uh, good. Uh, one thing I think is important to consider, you know, baseball players are people. And I think, um, you know, when you uh, think about all the platooning that they did earlier on in the year with him, having him in and out of the lineup, I do think that that might have made him press and feel like he had to do more with that bats and, and that walking maybe wasn't necessarily sufficient. I don't know. That's just a guess. But, um, you know, 
I still have faith in Winker. I think he'll turn it around, but monitor the skills, gauge those. I think they're a good indicator of, of kind of what's to come uh, for Winker. But overall, I do really like him a lot. All right, trade targets for Dynasty Tankers. This is from at JDubTheGamer, who is also uh, a really great uh, friend of the podcast and friend on Twitter. Um, you know, Dynasty isn't necessarily my forte. Um, I only play in one Dynasty League. It's a 20-team Dynasty with 20-player uh, 20 te- 20 minor leagues, so it's pretty a pretty deep leagues. Um, but here are some thoughts I'd say more on process than on specific targets. I'd say if you aren't competing, one thing that I've tried to do, at least in the off-season so far, is trying to trying to trade kind of those sure thing or those those good like 30 to 33-year-old players uh, for younger guys who may carry a little bit more risk, but who you who you like and aren't necessarily yet considered as good as those older players. An example of this that I, you know, for just from my league that I did in the off season was I traded a, a Matt Carpenter, um, you know, because he was coming off a career year. He's 33, you know, so he's not super old, but age is a little bit of a factor. I traded him. I traded, traded Chris Davis as well. I was less excited about trading him, but, you know, again, like, you know, guy in his, he's either high 20s or low 30s, um, still performing at a really good level. So it's not like, you're expecting a huge drop off in performance, but you know maybe in 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 two three years you are expecting that, and then going after a guy who may be kind of in their lower to mid uh, mid twenties. So like I I acquired Anthony Rendon as part of that deal, and so you know yeah, there's not a huge difference. There's like a four or five year difference between Rendon and Carpenter, but you know uh, in the grand scheme of things, that's a pretty big. Um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big deal in dynasty. And so thinking about guys like that, who you may be able to trade to go after somebody who's younger because the guy that you're trading still has value and isn't like over the hill yet or approaching the hill even necessarily yet. So that's one thing that I might try. It's obviously hard to part with those guys, but, um, I think if you want to, uh, keep your team fresh, um, and kind of, uh, not necessarily making a huge jump in terms of getting your guys younger by just going after prospects, but getting kind of guys who are more established, um, it can get your team younger and not have you lose as much skill and maybe be competing next year for something. So, you know, easier said than done with all of these trade scenarios, but that's one thing. Um, you know, so one of the primary targets that I would have, and it's going to be really hard to get him, he's a guy I picked up this offseason, is Max Kepler. I think he's, um, what he's showing recently and when you watch his at-bats, I think he's special. He's shown the ability over the course of a full season to have an excellent play discipline, and excellent contact skills. It's just a quality of contact issue with him, um, and he's starting to see that. Like the fly ball rate isn't astronomical. Um, he's starting to hit that better. Uh, he's you know, he's a German baseball player, so he hasn't played as long as a lot of guys, and every single year he's taken huge strides. So I think he's really special, and I mentioned that Jake Bowers, and don't judge me on that, could be the next Alex Bregman, but... Max Kepler was sitting there right in front of my face. He's doing a lot of the things that make Bregman special already. The elite play discipline, the elite contact, 
the hard hit rate, the high pull rate, all of those things. That's Max Kepler. Um, and that's what Bregman does to great success. And so Max Kepler might just be a taller outfielder version of that. And so he's, he'd be a guy that I'd be willing to give up quite a bit to get um, in dynasty formats. Uh, another thing that I do just, you know, like, because I don't have a ton of time to do prospect research and I'm not a big prospect person, you know, well, I, I'm trying to, trying to learn as much as I can, you know, number one, read all the prospect people, whether it's fan graphs, recognizing that they're looking at them as overall baseball players and not necessarily just as fantasy, um, uh, folks, uh, prospects live is, is, uh, you know, a great resource as well. There's a lot of folks out there who are doing great prospect work on Twitter, uh, other places. So, uh, you know, follow those people. But uh, a quick thing that I do uh, on the regular is I go to Frangraphs. They have a minor league board, uh, minor league stat leaderboard. And what I do is just sort by WRC plus, right? Weighted runs created plus, uh, overall metric on um, out, uh, offensive performance. And it's also um, uh, indexed to uh, uh, quality of the league, quality of the venue that you're playing in, uh, quality of competition, all of those uh, things. And so it's a really good kind of thing, way to level the playing field, um, you know, where if a guy plays at Reno or these places that are just, you know, home run havens, it will factor that in. And what I do is just sort by WRC Plus and I look for guys who are younger uh, than most of the other guys, both on the leaderboard and for that, um, for that level of the minors. And so I think with a lot of the guys who have come up uh, recently, you you know, like DJ Stewart rings rings a bell uh, for the Orioles. Like that's one way to identify you know a guy like that um, who might be uh, ready to make the next step up to the majors. You can do the same thing in Double A, Single A, um, and identify guys like that. So those are some of the things that I would use, some of the process and strategy elements that I like to incorporate it. Um, all right, uh, next up is analyze rest of season for Bryce Harper. Uh, Herman Marquez and Zach Wheeler. This is from at Roto Felix uh, Puga. Um, uh, I already covered Wheeler and Marquez. So with Bryce Harper, you know, uh, I've uh, if you look back at preseason Reagans, I'm normally the low person on Harper, and the reason for that is that I just his contact rate has been deteriorating for a number of years, and so I don't trust the batting average. Um, so you look at his batting average the last three plus seasons: two forty three, three nineteen, two forty nine and then 232 this year. Which one's the outlier, right? It's the 319. Um, and that reflects the, you know, just drop in his contact rate pretty much every single year. It's very, very low. It's like 66%. He's pretty much uh, Joey Gallo uh, at this point. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? As long as you weren't relying on his batting average um, to uh, be high. I think the other stats are going to be fine. You know, the runs, he still has a great OBP. Uh, the RBI, he's in a great lineup. He's in a great uh, stadium. It's just going to get better uh, as the weather warms up. I don't think the stolen bases are going to reach double digits just because of the, you know, the situation he's in with the Phillies not necessarily needing to steal. Um, but so that's kind of what I think of for Bryce Harper is, is more of the same of, of what you've, you know, seen, uh, potentially like maybe a little bit of a bump in batting average. But, you know, again, I think you're looking 240 to 250 on that batting average right there. Uh, everything else should be uh, should be pretty fine, and he'll probably go on a couple tears where everybody forgets about how bad he's been for the last little bit. Okay, next one, and I think this is the last one. Uh, maybe break down rank the newly called up rookie batters now that they've gotten some plate appearances. This is from at Bro Named Thunder. That is a great Twitter handle. Um, quick thoughts. Uh, so one thing that I just think is really, really helpful uh, to use is just the rest of season projections on fan graphs. Like if you ever have a question like, oh, what should I expect from this guy? Or 
who should I pick up, this guy or this guy? I think a really good place to start is just the rest of season projections on fan graphs, just to see if they're in the vicinity. And then if they're in the vicinity, kind of take a look at the recent skills, the recent production, maybe what division they're in, you know, things like that, who they're facing in the next few weeks, um, and use that to kind of uh, break any ties or if, if folks are close. But I really think those rest of season projections are really helpful because projections aren't just something uh, uh, in the Launch Angle podcast today, which I'd highly recommend. That's Rob Silver and Jeff Zimmerman's podcast. Highly recommend that. Um, you know, uh, one of them was making the point about how people look at projections uh, at the beginning of the year and they don't look at the rest of season projections at all, right? You kind of look at them to make your draft picks, but then you just forget about them. Well, the rest of season projections are there for all your usual projection systems. And so just track those. Um, They're already factoring in. I know the bat very quickly uh, started to factor in the new ball and the new hitting environment, uh, both with pitchers and hitters. And so that's something that's factored into those uh, projections. So just take a look at those to give you a sense of what you might be able to expect. And then, you know, kind of um, uh, modify those based on the project, the plate appearances that you expect, you know, so for some of these rookies, their plate appearances are still really low. If you feel like they're going to get full-time playing time, bump that up and see where that takes them. So that would just be something that I generally look at. And it's also their 50th percentile projection, right? They might be higher, they might be uh, lower, but the most likely outcome is that they will be uh, around that 50th percentile projection. So some really quick thoughts. I mentioned Riley earlier. He obviously looks good. I mean, he's been leaving expected WOBA, He's been among the leaders there for, since he came up. So he's doing really, 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 really well. And the quality of context is just exceptional. I do think that, uh, you know, and, and again, like, I don't want to be the regression police because I've been done it before and I've been successful and I've been not successful on some, i.e. Chris Paddock. Um, but, you know, he's got a 481 BABIP. He's got a 54% contact rate, which I would be surprised if that wasn't the worst in baseball over that period of time. He's got a 40% O swing. He's swinging at everything outside the zone. So essentially like pitchers are fooling him all over the place. And he's been relying on a 481 BABIP and a super elevated home run per fly ball rate um, in order to avoid uh, the obvious um, you know, downside in terms of batting average that is going to come. Now the home runs are gonna be there. The counting stats could still uh, be decent. You know, uh, the bat has him at a 256 batting average with a f- with 14 home runs, 33 runs, and 38 RBI uh, over uh, over 240 plate appearances. So if you assume that he plays the rest of the season, you know you won't double that, but you know you're looking at 20 plus home runs uh, for the guy rest of season, which would be really really good. It could come with that low batting average um, of 256. Um, if unless if the skills don't improve, which you know they most certainly should probably from a 54.3% contact rate. I mean, his in-zone contact rate is 61.2%. Uh, Bryce Harper's overall contact rate uh, is 66%. So he's like under that for, uh, it's just so, so bad. 25.6% swinging strike rate. It's just so, so bad. And so, you know, again, that's not sustainable. It doesn't mean that those are necessarily going to continue. Um, but you know, again, take a look at that rest of season projection. It's really good. I mean, of all the guys, I'd want to have Riley just because he's he's doing what he's doing. Um, Hira, Keston Hira is also having similar strikeout issues. Um, they're way up uh, at around, um, uh, I think he's at around 40%. Similar contact rate in the high 50s. Um, so he's got the same issues. They're not necessarily, they haven't been as much a part of his profile as they were for Riley's, although Riley's 
strikeout percentage was under 20% at AAA. Um, Kahira did struggle earlier this year with a really high K percentage. And so, again, you know, none of this is going to be sustainable over long term with these skills. The hope is that those skills improve um, and that they do um, really well. Uh, let's take a look at what Hira's um, rest of season projection is. Uh, it is 248, 13 home runs, 47 runs, 45 RBI, and five stolen bases. So right about, you know, but that's in 381 plate appearances. So not quite what Riley's is, but again, like Hira, you couldn't ask for a better context, right? Playing in Miller Park, playing in the Brewers lineup, it's all very, very good. Um, for him. And so, you know, again, with these guys, like you're hanging on to them and you're hoping things work out. Uh, chances are they might not, but, you know, try to enjoy it while it lasts. Um, you know, uh, other guys, uh, uh, Nicky Lopez, he seems fine. You know, there's really absolutely no power, it seems like, and he hasn't even attempted a single stolen base so far. In OBP leagues and average leagues, he should be fine, but I think it's going to be pretty empty. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe got dropped a little bit lower uh, in the batting at, bat, in the lineup as things progress, especially if he's not going to steal bases. And, um, you know, I just think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not necessarily sold on Lopez, but, you know, I think he's going to get plenty of plate appearances and that's half the battle. Uh, some other guys who, uh, you know, are of somewhat interest to me, I'm sure I'm forgetting important people like Kevin Biggio hasn't really had um, many plate appearances, so it's hard to judge him. But, you know, so far, like, looks like, you know, the maybe lower batting average, the power, and a little bit of speed is what folks are expecting from him. Better in OBP leagues. One guy I mentioned earlier uh, is uh, Renjifo on uh, Los Angeles Angels. Um, he is a guy that I like with uh, Andrelton Simmons been being out for a while. Stolen bases should be okay. He has a really nice plate approach, you know, in terms of uh, O-swing and Z-contact uh, in his minor league repertoire, and he showed an okay uh, plate approach and contact skills so far um, in the majors, and he's also underperforming his expected WOBA. His expected WOBA is only at like 290 or so, um, but it's at least interesting in deeper leagues. Um, two lesser-known guys who um, I think could be even more viable than some of these other guys I've covered is Harold Ramirez of the Marlins and Garrett Cooper. Ramirez is actually one of the biggest overperformers of his expected Woba, and so there's some regression coming there, but he does battle. He makes a ton of contact. He's not necessarily a power guy, but his exit velocity has been really, really nice. Um, Cooper uh, has a minor league profile that has a lot of people uh, salivating, including some really uh, smart people in the fantasy industry. Um, and so... Um, you know, I won't mention them by name, Brian Slack, Nicholas Sackett, uh, Alex Chamberlain, um, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, those are guys who are getting every day at bats. They're batting high up in the lineup, generally speaking. They're going to get opportunities. And so, you know, with use, uh, using them as matchup plays against the right opponents, I think they could be um, decent values in, in deeper leagues uh, moving forward. All right. So that ended up being a relatively long uh, podcast, a little less research, but I was able to touch on a number of different subjects. I hope that that um, was at least a little bit helpful. Let me know what you think of uh, the new format, and maybe I'll try to squeeze in some more of these in addition to uh, the more research podcasts that I traditionally do.
That is going to wrap us up for episode 78 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Another huge shout out to Kalen Prescott uh, for the new intro song. Really appreciative of that. Hope that you found uh, the mailbag helpful. I think we uh, were able to cover uh, a lot of ground there, a lot of players, a lot of strategy. We talked dynasty, we talked buy low, we talked sell high, we talked trading a lot of good players for one great player. Uh, we talked about some uh, folks who may be underperforming or overachieving. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Love these questions. You guys are, are awesome. Thank you so much um, for getting those uh, to me. Really, really uh, appreciate it. And I'll continue to try to do these because I think it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I really, really uh, enjoy it. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseballing. Take care and be kind to one another.